0: Welcome to NFT Time, our podcast to talk about our adventures in NFT land and current events in the NFT world. My name is Jeremy Craig.
1: And my name is Jonathan Smith.
0: This is episode four of our podcast titled Ready Player One of One. For today's episode, we're going to be talking about the possibilities of NFTs in the metaverse, such as custom pixelated avatars and accessories like hoverboards, we're going to dabble in what we do and don't like about some of these new collections coming out. And then we're going to finalize it with uh, some of the stuff that we expect from these early movers and then some of the things that are yet to come to market.
1: You know, I'm pretty excited just to get to talk about NFTs, uh, Jeremy. I've been looking forward to this all week. So let's break down some of this metaverse chapter uh, chatter and let's let's get into it.
0: Sounds like a plan. Let's do
1: it. So, Jeremy, you do more research and get into more projects than I do. What kind of claims are you seeing regarding the metaverse and, you know, NFTs?
0: Yeah, it's funny you call it research. That's that's just Twitter time, right?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah well, I'm trying to be charitable.
0: Hey, I appreciate that. <laughs> I really do. Um so yeah, you, you know, I, we talk about it a lot. I'm seeing a lot of different claims. You know, I, I have to ask you about some of them just to, to have it broken down to me. But lately, I, I guess the, the claims have been some sort of customization, uh, meaning that you can, you know, change the generic avatar in, in some shape, form or fashion. Or if it's an apartment, you can customize, you know, the art on the wall or, or maybe some of the furniture. Um, as well as some sort of tokenomics or, or possible play-to-earn scenario um, where, you know, the longer you stay played into the game or plugged into the game, the the more coins you can earn on whatever that native coin token is. Um, I know that when we talked this week, you know, I was super excited because that World Wide Web 3 um, had Mooncats and Cryptoads by Grimpland. So I, I gave you a hard time and said, you know, which pixelated character do you think you would have as your avatar? um which i thought was really cool i still don't own one that um you know would function so i have the generic avatar that everyone else has what which well,
1: one uh, you well you know i'd be first of all you know i'd be probably the moon cat out of the two of them and second of all let's. i i will say i'm just think that that's a real cool project and is doing something innovative in the space you know but hold on let's break it down for people. one thing that I want to make sure that we do on this podcast that we're a little bit more cognizant about maybe going forward is let's break things down a little bit. Let's be a little bit slower about things and kind of talk. So first of all, that's, what is the metaverse, right? So the, you got to have that discussion because right now it's a buzz term, it's a marketing term. It's really been brought up because Zuckerberg renamed Facebook into Meta, right? But it's right. not something he invented. It, it the, if you go back to the '90s, the book Snow Crash had a metaverse in it. Uh, Ready Player One, The Matrix is a form of the metaverse. It's something that's come up multiple times in science fiction, multiple times in um, different movies and fantasies. And I think the basic concept is, if I could define it, is an online universe with some sort of tangible – uh, connection to our senses, whether it's you know depth perception in the 3D world or different sights and hearing, virtual reality—it's uh, it, meant to be almost like a step beyond the internet, which was the initial layer that connected together people across the planet. And I think people, what people are looking into the metaverse is really driven by these sci-fi concepts. For something like maybe like a holodeck or, or a VR type thing, you know, but, but what we're seeing from some of these, uh, uh original sandboxes or so, as they, as they call, you know, that, uh, coming out in the crypto space are either 3D world games or in some cases, you know, like the, when you're talking about like a, almost like a 16 bit game that can run real well, run a lot of different platforms, real smart to do that. And so a lot of this is like almost like a second life type effort to, to be creating a new world, right? And that's what you're talking about whenever you talk about the metaverse. So, uh, uh, you know, I use the VR headset all the time, right? So I've tried out these different. VR concepts and a lot of them kind of don't have this this crypto, you know, crypto and in NFTs in the metaverse don't necessarily have to intersect. So where do you see that intersection happen, Jeremy?
0: You know, I, I feel like part of that intersection is probably coming because these NFT projects are are trying to to get in on something that's currently hot. Um, I know that we briefly talked about you know how the intersection of gaming was going to happen and, and what we thought these gaming companies would could would do, but you know, two weeks ago, it was Budweiser. Last week, it was Pepsi. So it all of these, oh, and I think even Adidas and there was a, an announcement sometime in the last few days about Nike. Um, you know, buying that wrecked company. So it right now, it, it seems to be like that cross is coming, you know, sooner than we thought it, it went from the gaming companies to almost mainstream. Um, but the, the crypto guys or the crypto aspect, I think is from the projects that tried to call an audible at the line of scrimmage and change their, you know, um, NFT business model or roadmap, so to speak. Like I know our unicorns haven't really done anything much different. You know, they, they stuck to their game plan and have executed play by play. Um, but these other ones that didn't have a lot going on, I feel like I had to pull into tokenomics and, and, I mean, if you don't have a good game, or if you have a game, but you can't put all into it, what do you have to do? You have to add some other fluff to it, right? Like, I'll play that RPG game in the Discord, and that's a simple command line game, but I play it over and over and over.
1: Yeah, well, the metaverse definitely, It, I, I think it has more uh th- there's a lot of potential there and a lot of, and it, it, some of it though is just the fact that almost like you're saying you're kind of implying that NFTs and metaverse are like the two most popular fad buzzwords whatever you want to call them you know viral words or whatever of this uh, 2021, I saw that the dictionary Merriam-Webster said that NFT was their new word of the year, right? Like mm-hmm. the metaverse is this other thing that's kind of in the consciousness. So there is kind of a natural intersection just because it's two hot marketable items that people really look into as like future models of how to interact with fellow human beings and how to inter- interact with their digital world. But I think at the base level, if we're really going to talk about this, what it really comes down to is that people are spending an increasingly large amount of their life online. And as they go forward, they're going to want two things. They're going to want that experience to be enriched, whether that's 3D worlds, whether that's VR, whatever you want to do with it. And also, they're going to want their regular world, their real life, to be enhanced in the way that we've gotten used to on the internet. So to be able to wear like, you know, AR glasses and have memes and stuff or a ticker or something on your face all the time. I think eventually people will want to have a blended experience where they're not spending all their life offline or online. It's just kind of all comes together. And that's probably what the metaverse is. It's, I mean, even just someone who sticks their nose in like Instagram all day kind of lives in their own little metaverse of pictures and all that. And that's one place that people are already very good at expressing themselves is in that flat 2D sphere. I I was watching a talk by John Carmack at Oculus, and he was discussing the metaverse. And this is a guy with, you know, tons of skins in the wall, made Doom, made Quake, has made some of the most amazing leaps, you know, in gaming history. You know I'm a big fan. And he was talking about how people are very good at making 2D representations, but not many people are good at modeling 3D worlds. And, you know, he's the guy that does it, so I'll take his word. But we've been making, you know, pictures and paintings and newspapers and now NFTs as flat art for generations now. And so I think that there has to be a blending point even in, in like a 3D metaverse world, like people think about Ready Player One and you're in like this what world of Warcraft type thing where, you know, there's millions of people and all this stuff. Like even if it goes that far, I think there's still going to be space for like 2D memes and two, just because that's what people are used to creating. But then that makes you wonder. What is the value of NFTs or of people that make claims, as you're saying, that try to connect back to the metaverse? Like, as you know, I'm really skeptical. If you say that you're selling me some like 3D rendering NFT and that's what my metaverse avatars, no, I don't believe you. I'm sorry. Like the 3D part, it's not going to be regular people. You'll end up like, if you're in Facebook's part of the metaverse, you'll have a Facebook avatar. And if you pay the extra money to Facebook, maybe it'll, have wings or something, but as soon as you step on the Google verse, it'll be a different one as soon as you go to, like, wherever verse, you know. And there might be, like, a verse, might be more like a slum that's, like, crypto verse that has, like, where it's blockchain run or something. I'm not saying it has to be that way, but I think people that dream that, this whole thing's not going to be major corporate driven whenever we see corporations just jumping this stuff every single time it comes around or a big backer of putting together the resources to make something like that happen it is kind of fantasy in my opinion. You know, I, I believe that. So I think NFT that makes claims about where they for sure will be in the metaverse, Or anyone that you know really feels like any of these early sandbox type things are going to be "quote unquote" the metaverse, it's just it's just experimentations. It's just moving forward. Still doesn't make it exciting. Still doesn't mean there might be value there, just like a fishbowl does or an ant farm does. You know, like uh, fifty years from now. But uh, for any individual one of them, but it's not like something where that's what's being built today. I mean, do you disagree?
0: Oh no, not at all. And I I like to point out, you know, like you said, you go from Facebook Verse to Google Verse or whatever it's called. At, at this point in time, we don't even have a unified, singular metaverse. It's it's a collection of multiple different programs, and and you know that's really kind of what this is about: is which one's which, right? Like World Wide Web three, NFT properties, I and mean, I know there's a lot. I have an Ethereum Tower apartment, right? But my my portion of the metaverse that Ethereum Tower I don't think is ever going to intersect with Sandbox or it is but I don't know about it I mean that's where I have to ask you to kind of break it down for me because it's more than a top shot card
1: well, or even even beyond that like if you want to just talk metaverse in general uh, something like Roblox has way more uses much bigger market share as a like proto metaverse than any of these things you just talked about right and is and is any of these things going to connect back to that universe No I mean is that going to be the universe and who knows who knows which one of these things the, the quote unquote metaverse is going to grow out of, where the standards are going to get laid down. But I don't think it's going to be the, the crypto space to find. I think there's a lot of innovation that can happen there. I think especially these early ones, you know, it's really cute how it, it allows people that are in NFTs to represent themselves in like a second life world and connect to that. But I think it also you're talking about early about me being a moon cat or being me and my toad. Like what it it implies for the future. And that's where I see the role of NFTs. So someone comes to us and they say, Jonathan, Jeremy, well, why do I want NFTs if it's going to be this 3D world or this Facebook-owned metaverse? And I think the answer is that as people move more and more into a digital online world, they're going to want ownership of it. And you're not going to be able to own like your chunk of Facebook burger or whatever, you know, that you start off on your hub world or something. Or you might be able to own some of these other worlds, but, you know, it'll be always a a fractional thing or unless you're a millionaire or something like maybe, you know, know, Bezos will have a planet or whatever. But it, it might not be for all of us, right? But you will be able to own, say, your avatar, your representation. Right now, we're happy to have a Twitter avatar that's like your favorite cartoon or, or or shoe brand or something. But, you know, a lot of people like to put their face. A lot of people like to have custom art. I think NFTs and blockchain and the standards around the tokens kind of gives you something that maybe can go from burb to burb. Maybe as you go from Facebook world to Google world, your avatar changes, but your little badge on your chest or whatever, your ID card or how people see you in some way doesn't because what they see is my, maybe I don't look like my moon cat, but maybe like, you know, that's something that does still represent me in that space. And it's something I can take with me from there to there to there to there. And that's where I could see a lot of value in NFTs to have this one piece of the ownership that can move with you and can represent you in an increasingly digital world. And that the fact that people want a metaverse shows that people want to live more online. You've already heard about people paying all the kind of money for Twitter avatars basically under NFTs, right?
0: Oh yeah. I mean, it, you know how big a fan I am of the matrix. So I, I've been, you know, looking forward to this for some time now. And, you know, are you a copper top red, blue pill? Like everything about the matrix is great for this, but To me, it seems like this is finally the intersection with the common guy. I've had, you know, I consider myself a boomer. I have boomer friends. I've been talking to them and they say you can buy physical real estate. I'm like, well, it's not physical. It's virtual. But yes, you can buy real estate in the metaverse. Every one of them said, oh, yeah, that's limited. There's only so many spaces. That's a great idea. So even people that have no comprehension of NFTs or crypto understand that having a place to call your own or, You know, plug into if you're trying to escape reality when you get home and this is, you know, your your fantasy land Um, ready player one on one, right? Like you're going to log in and, and get it done.
1: So. I mean, if you could pick the right ecosystem, there's a lot of value there. Back in that snow crash novel I talked about way back in the 90s, the author predicted that the people who owned the first piece of the metaverse were basically in the rich people's district or whatever, right? Later on, even if those people weren't particularly well off to do themselves, just because they were early movers. I mean, that's like anyone that bought Bitcoin a hundred bucks. It's just one of those things where you can be a first mover in the space, but you know, there's a lot of skepticism that's got to come with it, especially in the crypto space, especially in the NFT space. There's all kind of claims that get made. There's all kind of aspirations of what people want to do. I'll just say it. I've tried some of these online metaverses that are crypto based and the the ones that try to be 3D in a lot of cases, the performance in there. I, I think in some cases, unfortunately, centralization around some of the elements of the, of the experience for people is going to be a big deal. I, you know, there's just, there has to be limits on things just because of the way the technology works. I I'm in VR chat. So that's the, one of the, uh, of Oculus, uh, VR type metaverse worlds that got created. It's called VR chat. People can go in there and build their own avatar. But if you get on the PC version, sometimes people's avatar will like make the whole thing like a slideshow frame rate just because they overdo it. They overdo the avatar. They just, there's going to be a lot of rules in place. There's going to be standards that make things work together. And none of those have been laid down. So anyone making promises about what their NFT is going to do or whatever in the metaverse I, or that they are building the actual metaverse. You know, I don't know. But these people building these platforms today, I'm interested in their career. Where are they going to go? You know, I could see them getting sucked up by Facebook, Google or whatever to help build those worlds or whoever else makes some of these hub places. And I don't know. There's a lot of interest. I don't want to talk down the space. It just it seems like there are a lot of people that are trying to take advantage. You're right. You know, like I and I I always want to protect people, but I want the excitement to be there, too, because. I mean, you're right. Both of us would love to th- that Matrix thing. Like, we grew up most of our lives hearing about these type of virtual universes, so it'd be cool to kind of be on the other side of it, right?
0: It would definitely, definitely be cool. I uh, I almost didn't bring it up, but you talked about it. You know, there's always rumors and, and um, what you hear through the grapevine. You talked about it. It's been a decade-old or two-decade-old novels and, and, you know, Big Brother, Matrix, everything else, but I heard that once... Facebook announced they were going meta that it even took away some people's, you know, Instagram profiles. So I'm going to throw that teaser out there and say, I've got to do some research to, to validify it. But, you know, I definitely think early movers is the way to go when you're seeing the people do it. They, they sold yachts and penthouses this week. I saw two yachts get sold. I need to go back and look at which um, metaverse, you know, profile it was, but those yachts, no one else can get on them. They are true yachts and they sold, I think, for like five or 10 Ether. And then the penthouse and Ethereum towers on floor 101 sold for 25 Ether. So we're over $100,000 for a virtual apartment. I mean, it, it is crazy, but it's definitely early movers. And, you know, when the people that are buying into this are what, you know, crypto people call smart money. So you watch these wallets buy these properties and parcels and it just makes you wonder, like, what is the plan for it? but there's a half dozen. So how do you pick which one you're going to get into as well?
1: Yeah. You know, it, it, there, there's definitely this element with it where people are so excited to kind of live in this space because we've been promised something like for, for so long that I, as you said, I think it's something to connect to a lot of people. And if you just have a community on there, you just can find your own place in the corner of the the internet, so to speak, that you really enjoy. It's hard to actually put a value on that because, a big part of this whole deal is connecting people. That's what makes the metaverse an appealing concept is connecting people together. And if you can find like-minded people out there next to your, you know, another floor of your Ethereum tower, so to speak, then I think that that's an awesome opportunity. And I I hate to be ever pessimistic about anything regarding technology. Time and time again, it's always proven that in the long run, as you say, the smart money is betting on getting into new things and to trying new, and even if they don't work out, it's those early experimentations that lead to some real successes later on. And one thing I'm really personally kind of hyped about, excited about, so speak, in this space is just the fact that as more and more people are getting in to this kind of metaverse talk, it allows you to engage with them about where their lives are online and where their own dreams and aspirations come into it. And, you know, whether you're talking about NFTs or not, just just the fact that people have this fantasy of maybe living a different life and being able to move forward on that is, is is a very appealing part of the metaverse that is going to keep it in popular conscious. So we're going to probably come back to this. I see something that this will be an ongoing discussion. Uh, My personal recommendation is if anyone's making promises about the metaverse and you haven't done your own research and you don't know what you're getting into, uh, Jeremy thinks that there's a lot of good uh, flip money in the short term. He's probably right about that uh, as far as getting in the space. But, you know, long term, if you want a chunk of the eventual metaverse, Maybe instead invest in the kind of NFT projects that will be there in the long run, that whenever they make that ERC standard work on the metaverse, you know, of the future uh, will be ones that you'll be proud of or maybe your kids will be proud of, because I think that might be how they get represented at that point in time. Um, kind of like the ballers now, right, Jeremy? I'm so excited I got my baller and putting it on my Top Shot account. That's something that I've been looking forward to as a representation online for myself. So um, as we move forward and as, you know, social media becomes a more encompassing experience, then I think that these collections that we have will at least have a personal value of where we were in the point of our lives whenever we put them together. So um, actually, let's talk about that a little bit, Jeremy. So let's take a break real quick. And then let's get into what we like about NFT projects, what we don't like about NFT projects. We're going to take a step back and just kind of talk in general about what we look for whenever we're trying to invest in our own NFTs. All right. We'll talk in a second.
0: Hey there. Hey there. Welcome back. So, John, I I know or I think I've got an idea of what you look for, but let me give you the floor real quick and and see what are your pointers or where do you start? What do you look for to get to where you start flipping over, you know, every stone or leaf? What is it that you do or don't like about upcoming or or new projects?
1: Um, Well, there's two parts of this. There's what I'm looking for and then what I would recommend people look for, you know, just in general for both for both of those the community matters a lot. I know that's something that's big for you. Do they have a good community? Can you get on the discord where the people talking about, what's the vibe of the community? Is it a chill community? Is it really floor focused? You know, um, if you uh, ask a
0: question, you, will somebody answer it for you or does it just get swallowed up and never answered?
1: Yep. Uh, are, you know, are they just people that have a cool conversations in the space are more than just the project and trying to play games with open Sea or something like that. I hate nothing more than all the D listing games and the, and, and I get it, like the Twitter rating and all that. I know you love Twitter rating. I know you're Mr. Twitter or whatever. I can't have like 120th the flower, 1 millionth at this point. It feels like followers or view or whatever. So I'm not going to get on that, but that matters. And where peoples are online, you know, in that community is really going to determine in the long run what the value of that project is. I mean, that's almost 90% of what you're looking for whenever you're in the NFT space. Um, something personally for me, if we're just going to go that's unique is I'm looking for media rights for NFTs. Not all NFTs. One thing that's really confusing in the space. Oh man, is you explain to people about how you buy this digital piece of art and they go, "Oh, well does that mean like if someone puts it in a movie or something you get paid and you have to kind of go no not really?" Because that's the, we all know that's not what you're buying. You're buying a little chunk of the blockchain, but luckily, especially in the ETH market, some of the other ones I've looked that weren't quite as to have the set standard. But in the ETH market, a lot of projects that I see specify on the project website, sometimes in very d- direct legalese. Again, Mooncat's a great example there that have exactly laid out rights of whenever a, someone owns that NFT, what the media rights are like uh, cryptads, right? Uh, Jeremy, you're talking about the, the Netflix piece, right? Like, don't you get paid or something like that?
0: Yeah, they told us right off the bat that we had full rights and that, you know, they were already in talks with Netflix for doing a documentary or a docu-series. And if they do use your dad, you know, they know what serial number it is and you get royalties for any episode that shows. So, yeah, it was well advertised and, and documented. I think we talk about it. It's it's either got legalese on there and says, you know, what aspects you have or it says full commercial rights or it, they specifically limit it and it's in writing.
1: You know, just personally. So that so there's two pieces of that. It's like what other people plan to do with that NFT in the space in the roadmap and then how those rights might translate to you. But for me, as you know, I'm writing these stories about these NFTs. It's a big part of what we're doing here on the podcast. I I think we've been talking so much we won't really get time for a story today. So sorry about that, people. We'll we'll have one in a future week. Um, but I, I'm 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 big about using the NFTs in on the website in what we're doing as part of this podcast project. And so I'm looking for the media rights because I want to make sure that I don't have to like take a story down someday or something along those lines. Um, also, th- one thing that you think about, and I talk to people about all the time is you think about all the movies over the years where the media rights have gotten lost or video games that can't be republished because blankety blank company is gone or whatever. They can't work out who owns what piece of what. Whenever you have the media rights tied to the NFT via the blockchain and the project, then you have a situation where it's very easy to tell who has the rights to particular things. It's very easy to be able to transfer those rights and even go look back 50 years from now and look on that blockchain and see as long as that blockchain runs That right exists and you can basically be part of it. And something like, you know, Bitcoin Ethereum probably is going to run for the rest of our lives. So it's just something that we can could count on if it's recorded there. And I really think that connecting the media rights to the NFTs, if it's not the standard for everyone, it should be. And it's going to move in that direction. And it's a really easy way to explain to normal people what an NFT is and why you'd want to buy it. And I think it's an excellent thing to have connected. And I wish more projects would do it. I know like Top Shots is never going to give me rights to LeBron James. Like you just got in the NBA, uh, the NFL one, right? What's it called? What's the NFL NFL one? NFL all day. Yeah. Yeah. NFL day. You just got your first back today. And, And what was the best one you got out of that?
0: Well, it's closed beta, so they don't want me giving too information away, too much information. But I did get a rare safety pick, um, or safety play. It was uh, five hundred and ninety nine print, and I got one in the four hundred. So,
1: so, um, so you don't own that that safety's likeness. You won't be able to make like a t shirt and sell it online or something like that, like we could with say the dads, the 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 moon cats, or the unicorns, or some of the other ones we have. And so, I I, I mean, I really like to have projects where I feel like I do have that piece on. And you know what? It's kind of like the Brown Bowl, the M&M Bowl thing. So anyone who's younger, um, there was this thing in the 80s called hair bands. And so what it was, it was these metal bands that would grow really long hair, and they would just do crazy things with guitars and screaming. and they'd have huge stadiums these people would come see, uh, big speakers and all that. And one of the most famous hair bands in the 80s was this band called Van Halen. And back in the day they were known for kind of being t- difficult to deal with because they everyone knew they had this contract that demanded a bowl of brown M&Ms behind every show. At the time it was considered like the height of the 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 how crazy that era had gotten that the artists were running around demanding whole bowls of M&Ms. But I was reading uh A couple of years ago, one of the band members talk about that and they say, no, we didn't put that in there just because we like M&M's or we're crazy or something. It's because if we went backstage and we saw a bowl of brown M&M's. We knew that they read the contract. They did what we wanted them to do. That If they were willing to sit there and pick out the M&Ms, we figured they hooked up the speakers right and all that. But if we went back there and there wasn't a bowl old brand M&Ms, we'd make sure our crew went and double-checked all the lines and made sure everything worked. It was just a way that they're canary in the coal mine for them to know what's kind of like going on in the project or what's going on around them in that kind of indicator weather vane. And I think, I'm saying right now, you're an NFT person, you're an NFT creator, and you're listening to this. If you're not including the right with your nft you're missing out on what i think is a real big indicator on how much you've thought through the whole plan on nfts and if how much i'm going to want to invest in it because of how much you're putting into it in that mental space and how long of a roadmap and a plan you're looking forward to it so that's what i'm looking forward to i'm talking a lot though what do you like jeremy you like the roadmap is that something what, 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 what the the twitter stuff that's what you probably like is all the stuff on twitter right I
0: definitely think that's what hooks me. that's kind of where I
1: see people talking
0: the most, but you know, just like your van Halen reference, like if they've got the bowl of brown m and ms they've got the roadmap, they've got the details out, and so you can feel comfortable about investing in them if they don't have that then you know, you know, you're either buying the hype to, to quickly flip and get out, or maybe that you're making an emotional impulse buy and and not one that you've actually done your own research for. So, I mean, I like that as well. If you don't have a roadmap, if you don't have a Twitter page that has, you know, at least a hundred tweets then I know you just made this page, you probably have very few followers. Um, I'll find the discord link and go check it out just to see if maybe, you know, they had to switch social media profiles and there was another one that had, you know, more followers, but yeah, if you don't, don't have you know that bowl of brown M and M's and the preparation work done, then you know failing to prepare is preparing to fail. So it just gives us a better understanding of who we're going to try to invest in, what projects we think are worth it. Um, so I I like Twitter, but I like Twitter to get me to you know the the meat and bones of of their project.
1: Yeah, it's always got to have a good website. I want to see a good roadmap on that website. That roadmap better be not like we're all getting rich or something. We'll talk about what we don't like in a second, but I want to see a roadmap where you got to plan to do some cool stuff. I mean, you know, the, the thing is like a charity or whatever, and that's great. But I want to see some plans, you know, postment, you know, where you're going to get with things. Also, I think is related to it, and this is something we talk about a lot, Jeremy. But one thing I really like about the Unicorns Project is how those guys dox them themselves. They put themselves out there. They put their name on it. They put their real face on it, not a cute picture or something. And that gave me a lot of confidence in that project because I went, ooh. These are people that are really willing to hang themselves out there and we're not going to rug pull or whatever, because if they rug pull, <laughs> people literally probably come after them. So in this industry where a lot of things look like a rug pull, um, if you I, I mean, I'm not going to say doxing yourself standard, but hey, me and Jeremy are like it, it, it's nice whenever you actually put your face out there in the NFT space. And especially if you want people to invest, you know, thousands of dollars in what you're doing. It's it just is kind of helpful, at least if the head people on the project are willing to put their name on it. Um, let's see what else have we talked about before. Oh, you are big on the unique holder metric, right? Like that's one of your things, right? Like tell, tell people about that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, again, none of this is financial advice from John and I. This is just a uh, spitballing our, our practices and procedures. But I, I like to take the total number of, you know, unique NFTs for the project and then look at the total number of unique owners. Um, I feel like once you've gotten, you know, a lower percentage per owner, there's less likelihood of one person, one whale dumping their portfolio and and tanking the project. Not every um, person in this industry is is a savvy investor, you know, so somebody might instead of taking, you know, 10 and 15 percent profits on their portfolio, dump eight or 10 or 20 or 100 of them. So, yeah, I definitely like to see individual um, owner metrics, because the more individuality you have and, and unique owners, the less likely I think they are going to dump it because inadvertently people always get some emotional attachment to their NFTs.
1: Well, you know, something that's related to that is now especially I, I'm not I don't want to see like a huge mint like 10,000. OK, that's kind of standard, but smaller is better. Like anything bigger, I don't want to see it. Um, mm-hmm. Anything smaller than that, like especially where the market has been the last couple months. You don't want to be sitting there over minting. I mean, everyone's kind of in that thousands mark. Um, uh, but there's a lot that we're seeing nowadays that are coming down to the lower end of that. And, um, I think that that really helps out projects actually get them in out, you know, as we're moving forward in this space. And so one thing that we haven't talked much about on this podcast that I'm, I'm really big into. So it's not just about where NFTs are now. It's about where they go in the future. It's kind of like what we're looking forward to in the future of the space, and one thing that's really been obvious, been made obvious in the last couple of months, is that the high gas fees as kind of pull back on the space. Anyone that's looking to get into NFTs and you see how much it costs to get open sea fees paid and all that. I mean, gas was okay today, and there's days where it is good. But there's efforts to scale up the network that NFTs are on, mainly the Ethereum network. If you're on some other network like Sol or something, like you're your sole NFT collector and you're listening to me, then you're probably laughing right now because you're already in that, that, that lower space. But a lot of people want to be in, say, the Ethereum network. That's where a, a lot of the, the, the transactions go on. And there's going to be efforts made to move some of the that NFT uh work and calculations off of that main Ethereum network onto side networks or layer two networks. And we've already seen that which you have one, ones on Polygon, right? You already have some NFTs on Polygon, which yeah. that is a side chain for Ethereum. So it has its own security layer. It has its own uh, it's it's a whole other blockchain. Other uh, Ethereum it just has a ramp on and off for Ethereum instead of being its own individual thing. And so there's side chains. There's things called Layer twos, which are not side chains, they rely on the security mechanism of the original blockchain, but do the calculations elsewhere. And so there's different levels of this that's coming to the Ethereum network to help scale up that network and bring down these fees. And right now, Ethereum developers are looking at NFTs because it's a real reason why gas fees went up to begin with was the NFT rush. And so there's going to be, I personally think, a lot of efforts to try to come up with standards around the NFT space, maybe come up with wrappers to allow NFTs to exist on layer twos. I know I'm dropping some crazy terms now. Y'all have to go Google and all that. I'm sorry. I'm going, look going off a little bit off right here. But, the, but I'm, the bottom line of what I'm getting to is that in the long run, I think that for a lot of people, what you want to see is that they're going to be in this project for the long haul. Because you want to have someone that whenever that metaverse space comes out, they're willing to get their project represented in that metaverse space. And whenever that layer two comes out, and who knows, maybe it's like an sea layer two, and it's everyone's trying to move to it like crazy or whatever, because a lot of actions there are Coinbase layer two or something like that. Whatever that layer two is, that does NFTs well, and there's already some cool stuff like Immutable X that are going in that direction. That if people if that gets some sort of critical mass, you want people in that project that are willing to invest to move a lot of those project resources in whatever direction goes like this is a moving space and anyone who's looking like they're going to walk away or something like that is not what you want to see. You want to see people invest in it. You want to see people spend their, their time, you know, in that discord and, and and making sure they're out there and making plans and being excited about what those plans are. Because if the plan is just, hey, we mint a lot, we're gonna make a lot of money and now you have some art. I mean, I have some projects like that and they're okay. And they're kind of relying on basically the community to build around them. And if you build just this fantastic community, then that'll probably happen. Like I'm thinking of the toads, like the toads, they built socks and all this stuff just because people like them so much. And that's great. And I love that 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 community, but not all of them can be that. It really a lot of times needs to be driven from the top down from the project leaders in that roadmap. And so that's why I really want to see a good roadmap. So it's not just about what they have on that roadmap. It's that they have a future, a plan for it. So if this market changes, if they need to move to new, ch- whatever it is, they're willing to make that investment and commitment because that's where the space will go. So that that's that's kind of what I like to see. That's kind of maybe some more general th- knowledge about what I think is going on in the space. For sure. Totally. That's
0: great advice and something I think we can all follow. I know we've gotten you a know, pretty good understanding of what it is that we don't like about this. Um, we've definitely talked a little bit longer than normal, so we're going to skip story time this week. It's close to the holidays. John and I have both been traveling, so we hope you enjoyed the time you spent with us. We are planning on coming back in the next week or two. Um, we'll put some stuff out on Twitter. If anyone has any subject matter or questions that they want to answer, go ahead and tweet us. I'll start dropping um, some of the tweets we get. And one of the segments where I will read them from the person that sent it and try to answer the questions here uh, on air. Um, I've got a couple of other segments that we're going to tease and I'll probably put polls out on our Twitter page so that y'all can answer and tell me what you'd like to see. Um, But we appreciate you joining us this week. We hope you're getting the opportunity to spend some time with your friends and family and making the best of it that you can. Uh, As always, you can reach me on Twitter at JerkDake, J-I-R-K-D-A-K-E. John is reachable at PoofyHairGuy. Our website is nfttales.io, and its Twitter handle is
1: nfttalespodcast. Thank you all very much. No, I'm I'm all about it. Thank you all very much for joining us today. I'll have a story for you all next time, but for now... Y'all have a great week in NFT land. Talk to y'all soon.
0: Ten four. Appreciate y'all.